Hey everyone, welcome back to the Gary V Audio Experience. Once again, I'm Jacob from Team Gary, and today we have an awesome fireside chat that Gary does with some of the Vayner residents this fall. You might notice that multiple times during this podcast, the audio clips in and out. That's just to keep the guests' names anonymous so that we could provide you this awesome fireside chat. We really hope you enjoy it. If you did, please tweet Gary at Gary V. Make sure you leave your comments here on Spotify. Most importantly, enjoy the episode. This is the Gary V Audio Experience. I just want to start with yesterday was the first day of work I missed because of sickness in 13 years. So I'm glad that didn't happen today because that would have been a bummer. Um, I want to start with how excited I am to be with all of you. Um, This is obviously the largest residency class we've had. This is a program that really works for the organization and for the people that go through it. Um, Even people that don't end up at Vayner have been able to leverage it quite a bit, which obviously makes me incredibly proud. Um, I've been hearing incredible things about this residence class from so many different places and angles and different people. And so kudos to you collectively. Um, And honestly, I want this time together to be the most valuable it possibly can. And so I I definitely am looking to do as much Q&A as possible to your point, but maybe Maybe you have an opening question or two or three based on what you know the tone and tenor is of the group. And then after that, let's just go into hand raising and rock and roll. I don't care. You're putting me on the spot. I never prep questions for you. But... <laughs> I'm thrilled to go directly to Q&A. I didn't know if there was anything that you anything you sense or is in the air or that you've heard from this crew or anything on your mind. Yeah, we just had our first fireside chat uh, last week with T and... Uh... We're pairing folks up now, which is a whole kind of new uh, energy. So really, I, I'd lo- I'd really love to turn it over to the group to maximize time, quite frankly. So great. So use the hand raise. We'll tell you who goes, and we will rock and roll. All right, Austin, first up. Thank you. Hey, Gary. Um, so simply put, you're seeing a lot of platforms kind of try to do cross functionality, like you're seeing. TikTok will implement a be real sort of functionality and the photo functionality. And you're seeing Instagram now compete with be real and do more video centric stuff. Do you think it's going to end up being everyone doing everything? Or do you think it's going to resettle to everyone kind of just sitting in their comfort zone and what they are best at? Well, Meta has been doing this long before, you know, with Facebook and Instagram. And now you have TikTok doing it because they're such a big player. I think Everybody will try everything if there's a standalone app that they think is a feature, but some will stick and some won't. For example, let's go back to way back when this really started. Snapchat stories, right? Snapchat comes out, stories works. Then you have Instagram. That was like that big moment. A lot of you probably remember this. Instagram adds it. It's stuck. But so did Twitter and Facebook and other things and some platforms it didn't stick. What about Clubhouse? When Clubhouse got hot, I made a video that said, everyone's going to try to make this a feature. Everybody did. Facebook included, Instagram, all of them. It was Twitter spaces that stuck, right? So I think with Be Real or anything we see for the next half decade, all the leaders will try to implement it. And some will have it stick because it worked for them and they did a good job and some won't. And that will be the constant flow that we see. All right. Thank you so much. Of course, brother. 
Um, so I just started on my first new business pitch, which is really exciting. And I was wondering what your biggest piece of advice was for entering this kind of new fast-paced assignment, mindset or like tactical things, whatever. The concept of if I'm playing a new business, what should I be thinking about? Is that is that where you're going? I just want to make sure. Yeah. You know, I think I think the thing to look out for is what are clients reacting well to? That's always a good thing to learn. You know, like why did that client think that that was cool or why did they ask us to double click into that? Um, I think that this, you know, a lot of what we're trying to do in general and definitely a new business is osmosis. You know, I think the other thing to think about is what to parrot, you know, from the Kalins and others. So I think it's a huge learning experience, but by far the most interesting thing I'd be looking for is what are people reacting best to and why? Cool, thank you. Of course. Hey Gary, how are you? It's nice to finally meet you. I uh, hope you're having a great day. Um, my question is, uh, what advice would you give to someone who's eager to try out many different roles and how should one go about finding their place at Vayner? You know, um, I think Vayner is a very unique organization where, um, where we're willing to let people transfer from media to account, account to strategy, strategy to project management. So, you know, figuring out what you're about is raising your hand and asking to try something new. And you're at the right company for that. And whether that works out here or somewhere else, it's a constant game of raising your hand and patiently and humbly asking to try something else because you don't really know what you love or you're great at until you try it. Like there's a lot of people who love riding bikes who are actually meant to be better skateboarders, but they never tried skateboarding, which is just too bad. And so, you know, I think staying curious, asking questions of the people that are in those departments Boehner's best strength is that we have a culture where people will feel weird if they don't like reply to questions or like are, are not nice to each other. So take advantage of that while you're here, use Slack, right? Use, use it and ask people, you know, Hey, I'm in media, but I I'm curious about project management. Why do you like it? What do you have to be good at? So staying curious and staying on the offense and knowing that you're in a company that rewards it yeah thank you because uh, sometimes i feel like i want to do like too many different things and i feel like it's like too much going on so thank you well, for Ariel, the, thing, the thing stay with me here for a second the thing is it's good to try to do a lot of things or be curious but curiosity is a strength curiosity is a strength you know the only thing you have to do is be empathetic to the organizations you work in so like if you're at vayner what are you what are you a resident for right now uh, I'm a creator resident, but I've been like uh, shadowing like PMs and like trying to look maybe for at PCS and like community management, just like all around. As long as you're fair in return to Vayner, if they want you to be a creator for a year before you even try those other things, I think where curious youngsters get caught is audacity. You know, there's that level of entitlement and it's not a Gen Z thing. I hate when everyone's like Gen Z. I saw this in fucking 
Generation X when I was 22. Like people are, people are entitled consistently, you know? And so, you know, as long as you're empathetic that Vayner would like to give you that at bat and project management, but it's not ready just yet. And whether that's Vayner or you decide to go somewhere else for all of you, as long as you're empathetic to the organization, if they're really trying, well then, and you're willing to be patient, then you're in a good spot. It's the, I will say that where younger generations got caught is the world's faster now because of technology. And so patience is definitely something people struggle with, you know, and because of the way the world is, insecurity has always been poison, but now people literally are living their lives so publicly that if they're insecure and they want success so that they can flex, it eliminates patience. I mean, the amount, I mean, you, you'd be stunned if you saw some of the emails I get from employees who left here for a $5,000 raise when we weren't willing to do it because they just wanted to buy some dumb shit. And now we're like, what the fuck did I do? You know? And so you guys are all, and gals are so young. It's about being thoughtful, but do not downplay. You don't have, you're not chaotic. You're not too you know, crazy about that. That's good. You're trying to figure out your shit. I think it's a strength, but you just have to be, you know, unless you're an entrepreneur and you control your way, you have to know that there's, you know, we're the most pro-employee org on earth. And even for us, it's hard for you to be like, hey, I want to be PCS because that spot might not exist at this exact second. Thank you. Of course. The first time, well, thank you. The first time we met, you mentioned that we are the future of the company. And I'm in that, in this residency program, I've been having that as a mindset. Going into the next five years, what is the best mindset that, and the learning path that I can take to become the future of this company? And I'm not saying become where you are. I'm just saying like to, to grow in this company and to be, to be a big part of it. Uh, it's a great question. I think a couple of things. One is self-awareness. You know, let me give you an example of what I mean by that. There are plenty of times, and I'm as happy as it gets professionally, and there are still plenty of times that I say, huh, I wonder how cool it would have been to have the DNA that would have made me, like, I'm envious of a lot of my senior employees. I'm like, you know, you know, like yesterday, like being sick, that was, it was not only bad to have 103 fever, it was even worse knowing that I was missing things that were really important. And like, I can't like rely on anybody else to do that role. So I think first of all, self-awareness, when you have ambition, you know, even you asking that question, my fear is that you push yourself into places on an ideology versus the reality of who you actually are. So I think the best way people can be the future of this company is one, they have a good sense of themselves. Two, they have a good sense of what they want in life, financially, creatively, work-life balance. Three, this is a big one. I want everybody to pay attention to this one. Three, that they have the capacity to change their mind five years from now. So some of you right now might be like, I actually do want Gary's job. I want to be the C global CEO of Vayner X in 20 years. And I think that's fucking rad. On the flip side, you may fall deeply, deeply in love in seven years 
and then start a family and be like, fuck that. You know, I want to be like my mom or dad, or I want to be the reverse of my mom and dad. And I want to be at every recital and every ball game. And that's not going to let you be the global CEO of VaynerX. That's just real talk. So I think that if you have a good sense of who you are, if you're comfortable in who you are, and if you're willing to change your mind of what you want, that's a huge starting point. The next things are one, let there be no confusion. Unless you are a very nice person and nice to others, you can only grow so much here. There's nobody that gets to the upper levels. So if you're in a place where you're still insecure, you have, you know, like if you have big ambitions here and you know you're testy because you yourself are slightly unhappy, I start thinking about things like meditation. I start thinking about things like therapy because there's been so many people that have the talents to get to the highest levels here, but lost along the way because they didn't have the human capacity to be the person I need them to be with each other. They're political. They worry about their money. They, they try to tear down other people who they think are trying to take their spot. So all that stuff. And then finally, and I'm going to pound the living shit out of this without the S and SOP, you can only get so far strategic organic content and something you'll be hearing a lot about soon called PAC, platforms and culture. The future of communication over the next 10 years, which is going to impact all of you, is whoever is the most significantly talented in understanding how the platforms work and understand the cultural nuances of hundreds of different consumer segmentations. Not culture as in the cool slang term for urban hip hop culture. I mean, do you know what 40 to 47 year old middle America hunter and fisherman type dudes care about and how to get them to buy chocolate milk, right? So it's all cultures, it's all ages, genders, races, interests, financial levels. And one thing I worry about in this company, I talked to the team, you know, as most of you saw the video with Brittany King and we just have a very strong, strong passion around DE&I and different things of that nature. One of the things I see from so many of my well-intended senior executives is they think the strategists and creatives that will be best for the consumer cohorts are the people that look like the consumer cohorts. And that's not true. Right? Like, I don't think like, you know, you know, a 40 year old woman is the only person that knows how to sell 40 year old woman stuff. I don't think you have Hispanic to understand how to sell stuff to Hispanics. And so I see a lot of well-intended subconscious thinking that I'm excited to change over time because I fit only one demo, you know, with my age and gender, but my whole career is built on my empathy and compassion and intuition around all people. And so I, it's also why I think a lot of you are probably aware that in your circles of friends, family, acquaintances, my, my brand hits for a lot of people, all that looks super different. And it's because, you know, the messaging is contextual, even though it's still grounded in the same truth of love over hate. I really appreciate that. Thank you. And yeah, that's why I hopped on Dash and Divas to throw a couple of TikToks in there for them because it's something that I, I found funny. But I appreciate that, Gary. Thank yeah. you. Keep it going. Appreciate you, Sarah. <laughs> appreciate you, Gary. How you doing, G? I'm good, my man. Oh man, so good to see you. Um, 
I don't know if you remember uh, NF tampons. That's me. But yep. thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having us. Um, my question to you is: I mean, I'm on consulting. I'm in. I'm a creator. I'm in consulting. Um, yep. So I'm. I've been introduced to PAC in some yep. capacity. Yep. Um, and so my question is: How do we get? Um, how do we push clients more towards? Uh, just diving themselves deeper into culture and not being so not to say like, let's not focus on what's trending, but like be more ahead of that curve of where culture is going as a brand. I think for us, all of you don't have this context, but the strides we've made in the last 36 months are so profound for us. It's there's going to be no option if you work with us. So it's going to be easy. It's going to be a byproduct of how we sell, how we talk because of what you are doing. And look, you know, you've had a real front row seat, like consulting was a really good spot this time around, you know, like it's how life works. So you, you're getting to see a lot of the stuff and you can see what's happening, you know, with Jimmy John's this or St. Jude that, like we're right about this. You're either relevant or you're not. You know, and so I think for us to answer your question, we're going to get them to do it because they're going to have no damn choice. You know, like it's, <laughs> it's what they're paying us to do. So I think we're going to continue to go more and more there. Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. Appreciate you. I'm really glad. You're Hey, Gary, how you doing? Well, my man. Um, all right. So what I want to touch upon is obviously everyone talks about the culture. And now that we've been here for a while, I've experienced that firsthand. Um, and it's kind of hard to describe like how how effective it is. And, and, you know, I understand why that makes us different than other agencies. But my question about culture is, how did you get to this point with your mindset regarding culture? Like, where does that come from? Is that something that you were raised with? Is there a moment that made you realize that? Um, it's, it was something I was born with. And I know that because it was funny. I had my, had my friends that I grew up with when I was from first grade to seventh grade in Edison, New Jersey on the, on a podcast the other day. And it, we didn't get to some of these things on the podcast, but it got my brain remembering. They were talking about, this is really funny, actually. They were talking about the fact that I used to get into fights a lot. So I was like a real like scrapper, New Jersey kid. Like, like I'm talking like, like fights. Yeah. yeah. And, and it reminded me that a lot of my fights came from me defending when people picked on people. So I was on like some superhero shit from the get kind of thing, meaning I've always been uncomfortable with people being mean to people. It's what really fucks me up with society right now because both sides of the political party are fully into that place now. And so I, the answer to your question is, this is some real shit. I am so uncomfortable when there is tension I can't even live within it. It's, it's a visceral reaction to me. You know, 
even if like, you know this, Dustin, even when me and Dustin are traveling, right? If I don't like the way his face looks, I'm like, are you good? Like, it's my natural state. Everything cool? Like, I don't like it. And because I have so much intuitive, like spiritual energy that comes natural to me, I'm always, I always know. I mean, there's some shit, like some of the stories of employee, you know how some of the eight and nine and 10 year employees come and tell you shit like he knows or this. It's because it's it's some spooky shit, Isaiah. It's like, I'll be going to the bathroom and I'm like, I don't like the way that felt. And then I'm like, admins, can you give me 15 with that? Per-? Like, so there was no choice then. So cool. I gave you that frame up. Now it gets even weirder. Then I go into working for my dad at 14. So this is my natural state. This is my essence. And then I go into work in my dad's liquor store and it's a toxic disaster. Mm. My dad, who I struggled with for the first seven or eight years on this, and maybe even 10 years on this, and maybe even 20 years on this, until I realized that my dad grew up in the Soviet Union where every employee stole everything and it was so toxic that it formed him. My dad's point of view was that employees were your enemy. My dad's greatest fear 24 seven, 365 in my teenage years was the employees are stealing. Right. And, and I, I just want to say um, that like congratulate you on that fact that you've established a culture here that genuinely feels like a family only two months in with my team and idea generation and teamwork and everything that goes into the ad business. Um, it's never felt so like pure and genuine and it comes so easy. So I think you've done a great job at, you know, re- responding to that. I appreciate that. And I'll say this for the people on here. And if you don't have it, if that's a 10 and you're sitting right now and you're not, you're not in the chat and you're thinking that's not what I have. And that's, that's something I realize is real. We have 1800 employees and I'm a human being. I understand how shit works. I'll give you an example. There was something that happened years ago that really stuck with me. Somebody who was an 11 on culture an 11 out of nowhere, like little smoke started popping up. X, Y, Z made me upset today. X, Y, Z, da, da, da. And when I got to the bottom of it, her father was dying from brain cancer. And she brought that to work. And like, of course, when you're scared, you know this, all of you know this about yourself. When you're most scared, it's only one of two things that are going to happen. And so I don't sit here in an ivory tower delusional that everybody's hitting at an 11 of a 10. But I do sit here in my ivory tower knowing that I spend an ungodly amount of energy, time, and effort, you know, and tons of money compared to companies that look like this on trying to get every situation to 11 of 10. And that's why we win. Cause there's never an interest for us to look the other way. Cause we don't value the money. We value the culture. We need the money to pay the bills, honey empire, right? I gotta be practical. This is not delusional school, but I'm feeling really confident. And I will tell you every month that goes by, we've got it better and better and better. And that's really, especially the last three years. And that's really exciting to me. Thank you. Thank you. Just to build on that, Gary, I think that was a, a nice reminder for me in the all hands the other day. 
when I think one of the questions was, how are we going to win? And I thought you were going to go right to soccer. You're like, people first. Like, oh shit, that's right. That's what we start with. <laughs> so it's a good reminder for me too, personally as well. Yeah, the, to your point, Sarah, the reason it's people is if you have continuity, you win. I talk in like sign language and like ESP with like Marcus and Hannah and you and like, and Kaylin and like, we go fast. Speed matters. You know, like when you, tr when you trust your fellow employee, you're actually working on the work instead of the politics. So many of you have friends right now that you guys over a beer, when you hang out, like they're just talking all the energies on the toxic fucking politics, right? All of it. So, yeah, I mean, I, I know why we're going to win and it's because of how I think about this. Uh, nice. Um, Hi, um, thank you, Sarah. And hi, Gary. Oh, just a little tip, Gary, um, in case you are feeling not so great still. Ginger, turmeric, and some oregano, you'll, it'll clear you up for sure. Um, my, my, my grandma, Esther, who's no longer with us, and my girlfriend, Mona, both agree with you very, very feverishly. Yes, very much. We come from a long line of herbal women. <laughs> um, but basically, my question is actually kind of building on what we were just speaking on. Um, we know that we're moving into the recession and like unprecedented time. So just as a creator, I wanted to know like what I could provide, do or communicate to my audience members, you know, but, you know, that is valuable to them during all these craziness times because I have a very, very strong moral compass, but still being beneficial to the client as well. So like, I, I hate selling out, you know, I come from the hood, Harlem. So I'm just like, I don't want to sell out, but I also, like you said, we have bills to pay. So was a way to be valuable to them? You know, the, it's a great question. First of all, one of the things, you know, to be honest, even though yesterday was, even though yesterday was a tough, like, I can't believe I got sick for the first time ever day. It gave me a few minutes to kind of like, especially once my fever broke to look at the election. And it was interesting what went through my mind. I'm like, man, it wasn't even like a political stance. It was an operate. My brain was in operations of Vayner mode. I was like, wow, this very big day for the Democrats is just going to make my day to day a lot easier because people's tensions are not going to be as high because, you know, not to talk too much politics, but obviously we have a young company and that lends itself to a certain direction. You know, the, the, the biggest thing is a four years ago, I told, a lot of our employees, we expect our clients to be our activists for us. Right. Like, right. And so similarly to that, with your question, you can share your truth on what will be relevant, but you have to be empathetic that these people have jobs. Right. And they may have to make it 20 to 30% more vanilla than you would want it to be. I actually think it's one of the biggest reasons we win. I, because I have no boss, am able to go a hundred. Absolutely. And so most of our clients on a good day can only go 70 and we have to be empathetic to that. Understood, for sure. Thank you, Gary. Of course. Hey everyone. Hey Gary, hey Sarah. You guys, Sarah is a superhero. Like. Flowers to you, Sarah. But uh, my question, Gary, uh, you've been talking a lot about like 
how the last 36 months have been like really crucial. I just wanted to ask you what is probably like the most memorable or like the most important life experience you've had like in the last like recent years that have made you like really develop and grow as a person with just like business wise, personally wise in relation to anything. Candor has forever been a weakness of mine and has always been the um, weakness of this organization. You know, I just don't like confrontation. You know, the, you know, your gift is your, is your curse. The reason we have this great culture is because I hate negativity and confrontation. The reason it took us a little while to get it really good is I love it so much that I mistreated it and where candor really mattered, I was unable to deliver it. Thus that trickled down to the organization. And so the biggest vulnerability this company had for years was the most senior people over time realized that they didn't actually know where they sat with me. And so what that did was, it was a very devastating day. My, no question, the most difficult day of my career happened about four years ago when I realized, so my number one thing is that my job is to eliminate fear as a leader. When I had to realize, looking myself in the mirror, that me not being candorous led to a lot of people not knowing where they stood, which actually created fear, was heartbreaking. And, you know, I feel like now we're much better for it. And so I, I would say that is the answer. Thank you, Sarah. Hey, guys. Um, how are you? Good. How are you, man? Very good. Yes. I guess my question is kind of related to the future of the internet. Um, like you might have seen, like people are saying we're in a crypto winter right now. And um, <laughs> yes. I wanted to know, like, I wanted to know, like, what's your perspective on why you think there's a divide between people who are pro metaverse and why like big tech companies like Snap and Apple and stuff are still like naysayers or who don't believe fully, who don't give into the concept of the metaverse and what's really causing this divide according to you and financial interest. Okay. <laughs> Microsoft wasn't into the internet. Financial interest. And, and timing, uh, you know, the metaverse, if we're talking metaverse, it, you know, cause you know this, the metaverse can mean a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. So if you're using the metaverse as slang for web three, that's one thing, AKA blockchains that have consumer applications like NFTs. If you're using the metaverse like VR, I believe that VR will happen one day, but I also think Facebook could overinvest in it because it might be too early. You know, like I don't like investing in things all the way um, until it's a little more obvious that it's real. Nobody here knows anybody who spends two hours a day on VR. So I think that, you know, but I think to answer your question, it's all financial interest. And by the way, this is one day you'll realize what's cool about being 45 or 46 or 47, like I'm going to be in four days, is it's pattern recognition. Brun, let me give you an example. You know how people say, like, why does that need to be an NFT? Can't you do it this way? Let me give you one that's going to blow all your minds. When I launched winelibrary.com in 1997, 
which in itself is wild because there are many people here who were born after 1997. So when I launched winelibrary.com in 1997, do you know what people said to me? They said, Gary, why do you need a website? You could just do a catalog. Think about that. Like for real, like real business people, real grownups. Like, why would you build a website? You could just do a catalog. You know, why do I think tickets are going to be NFTs? Because they're better than QR codes. And why did all our tickets be our, become QR codes? What was wrong with paper? So this is just pattern recognition for me. All right, thank you. Hey, Gary, how's it going? Uh, thank you for taking the time to meet us. Uh, my name's I'm on the media side of PNG Grooming. Uh, so my question for you is, what would you say to be the turning point in your life that kind of shifted to who you are today? And what could we take like from that? Like if there's any advice that you can give to us from something that's happened to you in your life that made you to who you are today? I don't think there's something super clear, brother. I think what the real answer to this question is, something happened to me between nine and 14 that isn't very clear to me still that flipped me to a level of self-awareness and confidence that guided me my whole life. Like one thing that is very bonkers to me is how completely non-penetratable I was to peer pressure in high school. I still don't fully even understand it, to be honest. Like when I recall the things I didn't do in the face of why it would seemingly be so easy and so obvious that you should do that if you're a kid. Good parenting, good DNA, circumstances. I do think there are some big advantages of growing up in the dirt, you know. Um, but what I would tell you to give you an answer that maybe brings value is how quickly can you fall fully in love with yourself? Like that you're so in love with yourself that you don't need validation from anybody else. While you balance that love with, of yourself with extraordinary levels of humility to offset the vulnerability of loving yourself. Awesome, thank you. Got it. Gary, how you doing? I'm well, brother, how are you? Good, I'm gonna throw you probably the most important question off speed here. Jets, great season so far. Yes. At what point? At what point do you think this becomes for you a disappointment season, where like you had these expectations? Now, um, what point do you think like it's like, damn, like that sucked? Not gonna happen. I'm too locked in, and this is it has happened in the past many times. This season is such a blessing because it's a year ahead of schedule. A lot of things have gone wrong from an injury front, but it's, you know, I'm too educated in knowing what's happened here, which is we've hit too much pay dirt in the draft and we've managed our salary cap too well. Of course, you can always have injuries. Look at Buffalo. They got, it looks like they dodged a bullet, but, you know, earlier this week, there were scenarios where Josh Allen might be out for the year and they did everything right five years before we did 
to get to this point. The Jets could literally win every game the rest of the year, brother, which they won't, but they could and could lose in the first round of the playoffs. And I'd still be ecstatic because the foundation of what they have is too strong. So not this year. I think years like that, where you get disappointed when the team overperforms is when you know you can't go back the following year. You have six free agents that are your best players. The Jets, seven best players are in their first two years of their life. It's crazy what the Jets have right now. This is it. Finally got there, you know? Yeah. No, great season. Thank you. Hey, how we doing, everybody? Uh, just wanted to ask, this is a follow-up from a question that was like a little bit earlier, but you talked about uh, building self-awareness and like doing that as a practice over time. But at this stage of life, sort of in this kind of position where we all are, how would you recommend building that kind of awareness? Like right now, in steps that we there's, can take. There's only two, this has always been a question I've always been scared of. And over the last seven or eight years, it's gotten a hair easier. There's two ways I think about self-awareness. One is incredibly personal and the other one requires others. One, I actually think that almost everyone actually knows the truth about themselves, but have built up so much posturing that it becomes their subconscious and they can't even like tell the difference. So I talk a lot about with my friends and family and people I care about and, and groups like this, like just really go there in a dark room by yourself, you know, and like just really go there and be like, no, no, no. Like Gary's right. I'm just going to do this because I think this is going to make me happier. And just like actually put pen to paper on the shit that you're full of shit about. And I really like even just watching you all like move right now on screen, all of you can probably come up with one thing that you say and act on that you know is not true. So that's big, John, right? That's big. The second one is kind of cool, which is like, how do you get three to four people that know you the best? Right? And you spend some time with them prepping you, prepping them. Like you have a dinner, you hang out once, and you basically build them towards this day, a couple weeks out, where you ask them to really call it like it is from their perspective. What are you good at? What are you bad at? What do you do that fucks them up, but they've never been able to tell you because you love them, they love you. And you kind of make these three to 10 people feel really safe to really tell you. And you know that it's true. The thing that worked for me is I don't lie to myself. I don't want to trick myself. You know what I mean, John? Like people posture, bro. Like I just, and this goes back to loving yourself over others. I think the biggest reason people posture is because they value other people's opinions too much. You know what I mean, my man? Like I'm just not really worried about if someone thinks I'm cool or good looking or smart or clever. Like I just not there. Like, of course I'd like to be liked, but it's like, and I'm normally very liked by anybody that knows me. You know, I know that you guys and gals have people in your life that don't like me. That's because they watched one video once out of context and take a hot take. They don't really know me like that. And so, like, right, like, like, it's just, it's just, 
really being honest with yourself and and putting the people that are closest to you into a framework of being honest with you. And then you start working on it. Let me, let me give you an insight at this young of an age that might really hit for some of you. Let me tell you why there's no value in posturing or faking the funk. It's because you can trick the 98% and the 2% is who you actually want. And the 2% are the ones that are turned off by your bullshit. You're just tricking people that are trickable. That. Yeah, that's pretty much fixed. Gary, my grand my grandfather he taught me you can't shit a shitter. That was his line. So it's it's you know what? totally that. You know what? Couldn't have said it better to you. Like yep. because nobody has ever tricked me ever, ever in my entire life. Nobody has tricked me ever. I know that there are other, well, what am I, one of one? Definitely not. And so I say to myself, then why would I do that and lose equity with the people that are most talented just to trick the ones that are trickable? Because when you're tricking trickable people, somebody else might trick them onto you. Mm-hmm. That's what I was about to ask, like in terms of like, I think you got to it earlier, but like, the losses and games that come from that from tricking trickable people, but also not tricking, like not basically not bullshitting like a bullshitter. It's just the same thing. Like for you guys, you're so close to this, given your age, like think about all the people you tried to be friends with in high school because they were cool or good looking. And then like now just seven years, five years, six years removed from it. You're like, what the fuck? You have no interest in those people. It's just, that keeps going on past high school. Thank you. Thank you. And also, thank you, Gary, for all those very inspiring words. Definitely appreciate that. It makes me feel better. But <laughs> my question is, is definitely a hot topic in like media right now, which is Twitter. And so I was part of like the space, the Twitter spaces talk yesterday. Yep. And so I felt like got to hear a lot about like uh, Elon's like rationale where basically he's implementing this $8, you know, per verification a month, like to basically weed out all the bots and like deception. But I'm curious, do you think this is going to like be a good thing for Twitter or do you think it's going to be like the end of it? I don't think it'll be the end of it until, I mean, look how big Facebook is and Instagram came along and Snap came along and TikTok came along. So I think people think in absolutes, the only thing that will end Twitter, quote unquote, AKA Twitter becomes MySpace is if the leaders are not capable. My intuition is that Elon is more capable than the way they've been running it. And the only other thing that could hurt it is market share loss. And that would require somebody to build a better Twitter. Right? And so I don't know if this is gonna work because I'm not in the business of predicting. I'm in the business of watching. I'll have a really big point of view on it in 60 days, in 150 days. I know that I can tell you that the problem with people's POVs on Twitter is Elon bleeds a little bit too much into politics for people. And so they have their hot takes on their political points of view, not on the rationale of what's happening. So, you know, for me, the global town square is why Mm -hmm. I invested in Twitter 
right there. It's my Twitter stock certificate. I invested in Twitter in 2006 because I was like, the world's going to want this. Mm-hmm. The world needs its place to talk about the latest episode of Love Island. The world needs its place to talk about what happened on Thursday Night Football. The world needs its place to talk about, you know, their favorite couple breaking up. It's it's a human need. Obviously, the political divide in our country has been overwhelming and has led to the anxiety. And people are really good at talking about all the bad things that social media has done without realizing all that social media is, is empty vessels that expose us. And so, you know, I don't believe one person on earth became a racist because of Facebook. I think Facebook exposed that they were a racist. And so, I don't know. I think social media has exposed me to be a better person than people thought because I am a better person. So I think this is a game of exposing, not a game of changing. And so until we realize we have a lot of work to do on the parenting front and on the education front and humans are audacious. We need, we need way more humility, way more humility. I love watching all of you come into Vayner and thinking you actually know something about social media because you've been using it for your teenage years. That has nothing, using social media to hook up or watch some shit that you like has nothing to do with using it to sell shit. Definitely. I felt that since joining this company. Yeah. Thank you, Gary. You got it, brother. All right. Got a couple minutes left. Try to squeeze them in. Hi, Gary. Thank you for coming to speak with us today. And I appreciate the time. My name is Caitlin. I'm on Express as a media resident. And my question kind of ties in with what you're just talking about. And then back with like toxic work cultures that have like appear in a lot of um, big companies, but not here, thankfully, or like at least it like tries to avoid that. And so because as y'all were just talking about social media, we were, I, I personally am just coming out of college, like we, we use social media in a very different way and coming into the workforce, you kind of have to realize, and we always should have been monitoring our own media because it's great that it has like been super transparent, but sometimes I've heard, I've been like scared by what my parents say, like, what you put on social media, even college or whatever, will then like you, somebody will be like, ooh, take it against you. And like, if like other work cultures could be so toxic that they'll somehow find a way that they lose your job or just take something in a bad way. And I just kind of wonder how to go about that because I want to friend my coworkers. You want to, you want to, you, you want me to give you a real insight on this? Yes, please. Kaylin, any company that is gonna fire you because there's a beer pong photo of you or because you and your friends wore bikinis on spring break is not a fucking company you wanna work at. True. So there's that. You tell mom and dad you don't wanna work in those shitholes anyway. And comma, I've got something even better for all of you. Now that you have VaynerMedia on your resume, that completely trumps where the fuck you went to college and whatever the fuck you did on social. Awesome. Well, I thank you. I love that mindset. And I hope to find more more companies take this mindset with them in the future. They will, because as we continue to crush all of them and get bigger, they're going to have to copy us. 
Exactly. Thank you, Gary. All right, crew. Love you. This was fun. Thank you, Gary. Thank really you. appreciate it. Take Thanks, care, Gary. Talk Gary. Soon. Love you. Thank you so much. Thanks, Gary. Love you guys. We love you. Thanks so much for listening or watching to that episode of the Gary V Audio Experience. We really hope you enjoy it, and we hope to see you next time.